0: where, you know, given your goals for your life and how money can enable it, where are you strong? Where do you need support? And you don't need to, A, know everything about every facet of money, just where to go for answers. And B, think about how to get some support or structure in there that help you where there might be a gap between what you want and where you're strong.
1: Does talking about your money make you cringe? Are you tired of fighting about finances? Do you want to stop sabotaging your financial happiness? Then you are in the right place. Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series aimed at helping all of us talk more openly about money. Your host, Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, is a wealth psychology expert who is doing what she does best, speaking about taboo topics. International speaker, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection, Kathleen understands money and our relationship with it. Over the past decade, she has empowered thousands of people to break money silence at home and at work. Now, here is Kathleen.
2: This episode is sponsored by PlanWell BeWell. PlanWell BeWell is a place that connects your financial well-being to your personal well-being. It's a place to inspire and learn, to define your aspirations, to begin articulating what well-being looks like for you, and a place to provide the financial tools needed to achieve your financial goals and live your intended life. Because when you plan well, you can be well, now and in the future. To learn more, visit planwellbewell.com i am here today with sue burton she is someone that i worked with years ago and has always been a very interesting and eclectic person to talk to uh, her current role is at the bank of america she's a senior vice president of enterprise brand programs and local marketing and at the bank sue leads enterprise activation of the uh, B of A brand with signature programs including better money habits special olympics PBS partnerships and our red slash global fund partnership. Her and her team lead the effort to align brand assets, ESG initiatives and influencer engagements across multiple lines of business with the goal of increasing brand favorability and advancing social programs. What I know about Sue is that she is also passionate about financial education and helping people adopt new things, whether it's technology or something else. So welcome, Sue, to the podcast. Thanks so much for having
0: me. It's nice to be with you again.
2: Yes, I always feel like when I introduce you, there's so much more to be said, but hopefully people get <laughs> an essence uh, of who you are in our conversation today and certainly can click on the read more uh, in your bio. So tell me, because over your career, one of the things that I've noticed is that you are definitely an innovator. I can remember working with you and you were kind of uh, definitely a little, a couple of steps ahead of trend, Uh, but you're also a big supporter of financial literacy programs, certainly at the bank and in the past at our American Student Association. So I'm really kind of curious and want our listeners to know what makes you so passionate about financial education?
0: I, you know, I think that I'm passionate about literacy and education in general, but financial literacy in particular, probably because I had my own stumbles as a young person with money. I think about in college, I stumbled quite a bit with student loans, with credit cards, and I realized that those stumbles were so easily avoidable with just a little bit of information. And I love uh, it's probably why I love marketing. Is I love psychology, and I just truly believe that with a little bit of education and a little bit of support, people can avoid pitfalls that can be life-altering. I come from a place of of privilege and education, but for people with less opportunity and financial wherewithal, I have seen in my work again and again that a financial misstep can be life-altering. And so, if I can help people avoid those potholes um, and have a chance at their very best lives, um, I just I feel that that's a cause that calls me forth.
2: Yeah, no, that is really cool. I think uh, we certainly share uh, that commitment. And so when you talk about literacy in general, what other types of literacy are you passionate about?
0: actual like education, like people learning to read. And it's like, I've done a lot of work with citizen schools in different neighborhoods around the Boston area, really helping students develop their own path to education, just to learn how to decode, how to go further in their own education and learn skills. Sometimes it's actual literacy skills. Sometimes it's entrepreneurship skills. Sometimes it's financial skills to just go farther um, on their path.
2: So that passion for education in all different forms, but today we're going to talk about the financial piece. You said you made some missteps when you were younger. What are some of the messages or lessons you learned growing up, either in school or from your family?
0: Mm -hmm. Well, growing up in my family, we did not talk about money. That was impolite. And any questions I would, you know, get, I would ask would be met with a, it's private. But I was fortunate in my own high school experience to have some exposure. Like we often hear that, gee, there should be financial literacy taught in high school. And because I had an interest in business and became involved in junior achievement, at least I got some foundational basics about checkbooks and balancing an account and setting a budget. So that was where I learned some of the basics. What I didn't learn about in high school was credit cards. You know, I think about college, it's like I I went away. They were always marketing um, credit cards on college campuses we went on spring break. I was always putting my card down and I I accumulated an $800 balance, which seems small, but at interest rates really snowballs over time. So I had to go out and get myself educated about how to sort of pay that down and better manage credit in my life.
2: Well, I'm guessing that you went to college around the same time I did in the 80s when it was still legal. And they really were coming after us on campus to Mm -hmm. open credit cards and saying it was kind of like free money.
0: Absolutely. It was. and, And that's what made you feel like an adult to have a credit card. And it's that's what you saw adults doing. But you I did not realistically understand debt. I also didn't understand student loans and you'd sign a promissory note at the top of every semester. And I remember getting confused between Pell grants and Perkins loans. And they were like, well, they both begin with P, but one, you have to pay back. Um, And I just didn't understand. I was good about earning, but I really did not understand debt and how to manage debt and how to pay more than the minimum amount to get yourself ahead of those snowballing interest rates.
2: Yeah, it can really explode pretty quickly. In fact, we had a guest on in the previous episode, and one of the things she said was student loan debt really got to her, and she didn't understand uh, the importance of trying to pay it off as soon as possible. And that kind of came to, for her, was something that was really a a challenge. Mm -hmm. So your parents feeling like it was none of their business, but junior achievement, I'm really happy to hear you got some exposure, at least at uh, the school level in fact i just learned the other day that ohio just put a legislation through to have financial education requirement in their school system but they're the only the 10th state so it's really frustrating
0: that we're still here so many years later I was gonna say money is like it's so um, abstract now like when we went to school you had physical cash in your pocket and maybe you spent that until it was gone. Now it's like everybody is it's like it's Venmo and PayPal and doing all of these different things like money is an idea and so I feel like education has to start younger and be more specific than ever before.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. It's it's gotten more complex, I think, definitely. And so part of what I'm wondering is what your relationship with money is like now, because that's, mm-hmm. you know, maybe in your early 20s. How would you describe your relationship with money? Maybe a couple of words that you associate with that?
0: More, I'd say, in control. Like, I, I, have, I have more understanding and control. And I'll say this, you know, In my younger years, I used to say something like, Oh, I'm so bad with money, as if it was one thing. Now I better recognize my personal patterns and behaviors. So I wouldn't say I was bad. I just better understand my strengths and weaknesses and how to support them. So, for example, I don't have a lot of attention span to sit down and fill out complicated forms or to do a budget every month. And, like, that's okay. Like, I know now how to set up and automate systems that support me and my behaviors and my patterns. Like whether it's I set alerts or automated bill pay or automated um, savings, all of those things that I can set up and surround myself with make me put me in better control of my money. And I feel like I'm playing to my strengths and I understand where maybe I don't have a strength, how I can support that and be in control of, of my finances.
2: I love that because that's such a great message. I mean, I you know, one of the things that I fight against in this podcast and the work that I do is the idea that a lot of us, men and women, but especially women, feel that they have to either be bad with money or perfect with money. Mm -hmm. It's so not the case because it shifts and changes over time. And so it sounds like you've been able to fill those gaps. Uh, I also know that you happen to be in partnership. And I'm curious, do you think being in a couplehood, when it comes to money, has been helpful in filling in, out those gaps? Or it certainly probably has led to you having to have financial
0: <laughs> conversations. For sure. And I was like, oh gosh, no, it's not been helpful at all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, you you either, you know, you marry your like or you marry your opposite. And we're we both have similar money blind spots, but we have, you know, over many years of being partners, we have honest conversations. And mm-hmm. interestingly, having kids and teaching them has kind of like helped us become better as well. So again, it's, it's about self-knowledge, which I think comes with time and honest self-reflection. And there are so many tools and resources that are out there to support you, but it really starts with, you know, know thyself
2: yeah, and you know, one of the things I'm talking about with some of the powers that be here in Vermont when it comes to literacy is the idea that there's knowledge and skills, mm-hmm. but there is also insight. And I think what you're alluding to is the idea that we have a certain money personality, a certain money mindset, certain interests, and there's nothing wrong with that. there's There's no wrong money personality. There's just different ones. And so mm-hmm. how do you like I'm like you, if I'm in a financial meeting with my advisor, I want the top of the line. I want the headline. I want the recommendations.
1: Mm-hmm. Whereas
2: my partner Brian might want a little bit more of the detail. And there's it's not good or bad. It's just different.
0: Right, right. And that's and and I love what you're doing here about breaking money silence and you know eliminating the shame. It's like people like I know in the financial industry, people will talk about people having a financial life. I don't think anybody has a financial life. They have a life and they are who they are and money can either enable or hinder that. But I think really understanding like your strengths and weaknesses, like for me, it's it's weird. Like I always, when I was younger, I always felt like I could earn my way out of anything. If I wanted to hit a financial goal, if I wanted to get pay off a bill, I'd just get more jobs. I would just work harder and earn more to get out of it. I was a good earner. I was not so great at spending. um, But I was also a savvy shopper. Like I knew how to save a dollar or find a deal or, or, you know, that that was something I was very strong at. And it's kind of like this, like assessment of yourself, where you're strong. I know people who are great at investing, but terrible at spending, or maybe they're very good at saving, but are very afraid of investing. It's kind of like doing a self assessment of it's like, where, you know, given your goals for your life and how money can enable it, where are you strong? Where do you need support? And you don't need to A, know everything about every facet of money, just where to go for answers. And B, think about how to get some supports or structure in there that help you where there might be a gap between what you want and where you're strong.
2: And you mentioned something that's so interesting, like you were very clear as to what one of your money scripts was or the thought that led you to earn more and to be able to kind of chase this debt and
1: -hmm. that you
2: could earn yourself out of anything is kind of the mindset. And so I can see that as both a strength Mm -hmm. you know, from a career perspective, from a confidence perspective. And then you're also highlighting that it can also be a blind spot because there's other aspects to finance. Mm -hmm. Um, You also mentioned investing, and it's the first time that kind of popped up in the conversation. So tell me a little bit about what you knew about investing growing up and what you know about it now, how that might have changed.
0: Growing up, again, I knew very little about it. I know, you know, my parents would talk a little bit about maybe a family member giving them stock in a singular company. But being about being an investor, I think the first time I learned about that was my very first job. And I'm very grateful to my very first boss who explained 401ks to me because i thought i needed to take every dollar home and she explained no i know you're you know you're 22 years old but you should invest the maximum in the 401k because that means you get free money the company matched so it was like you're getting 5% free and she did the math with me and showed that my take home because they were pre-tax dollars was actually going to be more than if i hadn't invested in the 50 the 401k to start so that was like a very important lesson for me to kind of understand the you know like how to manage that type of investing and then because I had money in my 401k I started to pay attention to those investments you know what was being invested in terms of mutual funds and how to buy mutual funds and start to invest so I began to just do my own research and be, and I was I had the good fortune to be working in the industry so I learned from colleagues and and peers and friends and started to get more involved but I would say you know in in my house of four I am still the most risk averse <laughs> investor. <laughs> um, and I'm but I know that about myself. like that's just me, and this is where I'm cautious and how I invest, and yet I'm comfortable with others being more aggressive and in they're investing. And what's really cool is that this woman at the beginning of your career
2: became a little bit of a money mentor and mm-hmm. sat you down and educated you. And I think the more we can do that for the next generation, we certainly need formal education. But I think really reaching out and just you know breaking that money silence and having that conversation seems like I mean you have not only financially benefited it sounds mm-hmm. from an educational
0: standpoint you benefited absolutely that, that was and I and I try to do the same every time we get sort of a a round of interns that come into our office it's like I'm like I am spreading that that good news <laughs> of it's like that, let me explain to you about a four hundred one k and how this can be truly you know so beneficial if the, you know, the earlier you invest the better off you are. Yeah.
2: My nieces and nephews, when they were younger, they're now in their thirties, but you know, they, when they were in their teens and going off to school, I'd always buy them a book about money and they're just kind of, you know, they were politely, thanks Auntie Kay. (laughs) They're like, what's this book? Do you have a YouTube video? Like, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. And so, um, I think they thank me now, but at the time it was kind of an interesting uh, mentorship. Uh, So tell me Sue, what like, what advice would you give your younger self? And you probably give the advice to the interns or to your kids. But tell us specifically, if you had to pick maybe one or two things, what would it be?
0: I think uh, the first thing I'd say is, you know, meet yourself where you are, as, as we talked about. This is this, like, level of introspection. Understand your strengths, your habits, your, your just a, you know, just kind of how you operate. And then you can better plan for that. And the other thing I would say is you don't have to eat the elephant all in one bite. Like it's like, like people think, Oh God, I should be better with my money. I've got to get better with money as if it's one giant monolith. And it's like, no, it's everyday habits. It's hygiene. It's making one decision at a time and break it down with like, what do you need to know more about or do differently? Like, right now for whatever situation you're in and then think about the next thing um so it's it doesn't have to be this oh my gosh i've got to sit down and do a whole great big budget and learn about spending saving and investing it's like no you don't you just like like maybe you're thinking about whether or not you should uh, rent an apartment or look to buy something maybe you're thinking about your first car purchase and should you lease or buy like maybe there's just an individual decision that you just need to get savvy about just Take that one one piece at a time. Great
2: advice. So we're with Sue Burton. We're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, she's going to talk to us a little bit about how she helps with financial education at the bank. You know that negotiating your fees and getting paid what you're worth is emotional business. And I know how to help you become a rock star negotiator. So I am offering an exclusive group experience, a masterclass on negotiating for a hand-selected group of businesswomen. So if you're highly motivated, career-driven, and ready to take a deep dive into your money story and learn how to shift sabotaging beliefs so you can earn more, then this masterclass is for you. I'm taking applications now, and space is limited to eight kick-ass women. You're going to get individual and group coaching, both facilitated by me, as well as video lessons, handouts, and a bunch of bonuses to help you become the rock star negotiator I know you are. So check it out at BreakingMoneySilence.com backslash negotiating hyphen masterclass and register today. Welcome back to the Breaking Money Silence podcast. I'm here with Sue Burton. She's the Senior Vice President of Marketing and Brand Programs. And she is here today talking about advice she would give her younger self. She is passionate about financial literacy and all types of literacy and education. So, Sue, before the break, we were talking a little bit about the advice you'd give your younger self. And it was really great advice, very, you know, make sure you meet yourself where you're at. And also when you're thinking about money, don't think of it as this big thing, you know, really attack it little small steps at a time. I I often think of like slow and steady wins the race, like pick the part of Mm -hmm. uh, your financial life that's interesting to you. Now, when in raising kids, you've had to break money silence as well. And so what are some of the lessons that you've actually taught your kids? And tell me a little bit as a mom what that's been like for you.
0: Well, I'd love to take credit for being like the super savvy money mom. Um, but my kid, <laughs> I'll say my, my oldest was, I remember he was like in grade school during the Great Recession. And he used to watch CNBC like as a third grader and yell buy gold (laughs) into the (laughs) next room. So he kind of, he came a little bit hardwired. Um, But I think what I have consciously done throughout is share awareness. My kids have always known how much money we make and they might've thought, "Oh, that's a lot of money. And they were like, and this is what a mortgage costs. And this is what cable TV costs. And so I think we've always been very, we used to do a guessing game with like, how much do you think this dinner out cost? So oh, like, no they way. Would, that's a cool little exercise. Yeah I, yeah. I just tried to make them very aware. And, um, you know, when they were younger, we, 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 would do things where it was like, if they wanted to earn, they wanted a toy or something. It's like, let's see how we can earn it. And they would cut, coupons, because that was a ways ago, they would cut coupons and find savings. And we'd kind of fill up the thermometer on the fridge to be like, oh, yay, now you get a rescue hero, because we were able to save towards that goal. They used to sell everything in the house. (laughs) They'd take their wagon (laughs) around, they'd have lemonade stands. And my younger son was the first in our family to have an iPad that he earned selling his brothers and other toys but he you know like they really I think started to have an awareness about how to go after getting what they want so that's that's how we've worked together and now it's uh, now they teach me now I feel like they are they are active investors the uh, you know both of them we recently had an interesting year where they were they were investing in some of these meme stocks that were very popular oh yeah yes um, but they they don't invest what they are not prepared to lose. And it's very it's very interesting as I work and again in this industry, hearing what platforms they like, what they're investing in. it's like we' it's an ongoing conversation. and th- their ages right now, Sue. They are twenty-two and nineteen. They're both in college. Okay, great, great. Well, it sounds
2: like you really have uh, broken—excuse me—the cycle in your family of not talking about money and made it fun. Mm -hmm. And so, one of the things our listeners probably don't know about you is that you know a while back you were actually a comedian and somebody who was on the road who used—I mean, you use humor now, but. Humor was kind of a career for you. And so I often say that finance can be fun. And sometimes the more traditional people in finance or the people who haven't had that experience look at me like I'm crazy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I believe that if we added some levity to this topic, it could be really useful in moving forward the education. And because I have you here today, I'm kind of curious, given your background, what your thoughts are about adding a little humor to financial literacy education?
0: Oh, I'm, I, am, I am no great surprise. A huge proponent of this. And it's you, like, like money is a thing and we are human and humans are ridiculous and a little hilarious. We act against our own self-interest. We do silly things. And there's so much shame sometimes and judging attached to money in that. And if you can remove that, if you can sort of help people through humor find the truth in the room, and people will be like, oh, yeah, I do that. Lots of people do that. And as we learn better, we do better. And I'll give you an example. Like, you know, many years ago, I was working in the, the sort of student loan part of the financial services world. And we found that like only 11% of families were having a conversation between the child and the parent about how college was going to be paid for. That is Problematic. It's because it's a, an awkward conversation. And we used humor and developed some scripts with humor to help, you know, hey, like student, here's how to talk to your parent about who's going to pay for college. Hey, parent, here's how to talk to your child about who's going to pay for college. Again, with levity that just helped having those conversations because it's, you know, it, people are just funny in how they behave and their psychology <laughs> and the things we do. And if you can see yourself, in something and be like, yeah, I do that, and it's it's becomes not so catastrophic, not so shameful. So I think humor is incredibly powerful, especially with Gen Z, and where Gen Z is getting most of their money tips these days is through TikTok. Yeah, that is a very yeah. entertaining and powerful medium to engage people and meet them where they are. So um, I'm a big proponent of of those two seemingly divergent things, money and humor, coming together.
2: Well, with humor also, you talk about it reducing the shame. In some ways, it normalizes because we can laugh at ourselves or laugh at the absurdity of you know, how humans can act with money. And I think that's really useful. I think the other piece that's interesting is that if we, as an industry, and I'm including traditional and non-traditional financial places and education places, if we can get a little bit more levity, to use your word, mm-hmm. and meet people where they're at, like on TikTok and other things, that then we can actually break this cycle. So it, it's mm-hmm. kind of exciting stuff. And I I always love talking to you. I know we have to uh, transition because this is a 20-minute podcast, and I feel mm-hmm. like I could talk to you mm-hmm. all day, Sue, about this topic. But two things before I let you go. One is, I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit more about what the better money habit program is that bank of america supports because i think you're pretty
0: involved in that i am and th- and thank you so much because that, that's a great thing to leave your listeners with bettermoneyhabits.com is free financial education and it's like it is built just as we've talked about small bite-sized pieces of content of decision support of tools It's available free to everyone in English and Spanish. You do not have to be a Bank of America customer at all, but it really helps provide the know how to take your next step. As we talked about, it's not about knowing everything, but it's like if whether you're trying to tackle debt or you want to learn about investments and you want to think about like, you know, banking taxes, whatever it is, you can go to bettermoneyhabits.com, find a, a little video or a snippet or a tool that's really going to help you get smarter and make better decisions. And we built it in collaboration with Sal Khan from Khan Academy, who is sort of the master at demystifying um, very complex topics for, um, for simplicity and, and use. Awesome. Well, we
2: will definitely put that link in the show notes. So where can people find out more about you if they want to kind of follow you or connect with you? Where's the best place to go?
0: Probably, you know, I'm not uh, performing as a comedian anymore. I have two (laughs) children in college, so I had to get a day job. So I don't have a website per se. But if you went to LinkedIn slash Sue Burton, you would find me there um, and you could learn about me and I would always be happy to connect. Awesome.
2: Well, this has been a great conversation. I'm really glad that you broke money silence with me today.
0: Likewise, thank you so much for having me and thank you for all you do. Oh, sweet, thank you.
2: This episode is sponsored by Planwell Bewell. Planwell, Bewell is a place that connects your financial well-being to your personal well-being. It's a place to inspire and learn, to define your aspirations, to begin articulating what well-being looks like for you and a place to provide the financial tools needed to achieve your financial goals and live your intended life. Because when you plan well, you can be well, now and in the future. To learn more, visit planwellbewell.com.
1: Thank you for listening to Breaking Money Silence, hosted by Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, a wealth psychology expert, author, and founder of KPK Wealth Connection. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave a review. Also, share this episode with your friends and family. It is a great way to get the conversation started. For more money talk tips and information, or to hire Kathleen to speak at your next event, go to www.breakingmoneysilence.com.